You're now listening to the Tax Smart REI podcast, your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Tax Smart REI podcast. Today, we're going to talk about something we've talked about a lot on the podcast, but we're really going to dedicate an entire episode to it. Don't let the tax tail wave the dog. There's a lot of investors out there who overweight the consideration of taxes when making their investment decisions, and some even go as far as to make an investment decision purely based on the tax benefits. And that goes totally against the rule of don't let the tax tail wave the dog. So we're going to jump into all of that in just one moment after a quick word from Driftwood Capital. Driftwood Capital is a vertically integrated real estate investment firm with a focus on hospitality assets. For more than 25 years, the principals at Driftwood Capital have built deep relationships with brands, lenders, and brokers, unlocking direct access to institutional grain investments for its network of over 1,500 accredited investors. Driftwood finds deals, completes due diligence, creates the business plan, secures financing, and closes the deal with its own capital. Then Driftwood offers accredited investors the opportunity to invest directly in these deals with a minimum of $50,000, enabling you to create a diverse portfolio that meets your financial goals. It's time to start building your portfolio today. Visit www.driftwoodcapital.com CPA to learn more. Again, that's www.driftwoodcapital.com CPA to learn more. That's all for now. And without further ado, we'll jump right into today's episode. And we're back. So don't let the tax tail wave the dog. Brandon, I believe you coined that term, or at least that's where I first heard it from. Uh, so can we just take a little <laughs> I don't bit think of- I coined that term. I'm pretty sure that term has been around for a long time. Well, wherever it came from, for people who who may be new to the podcast or just you know maybe heard us mention it before, but don't really know what it is, can we start just by breaking down maybe what that even means in the first place? Yeah. So we use the phrase, don't let the tax tail wag the dog. In conversations with clients, as well as our community, we I think that we say it often in our Facebook groups and webinars that we do and all that type of stuff. When we use that phrase, we are trying to remind people to not have FOMO about tax savings, right? Because what happens is, I believe this about entrepreneurs and people who are dead set on gaining financial freedom and building their wealth, those groups entrepreneurs, people in the fire movement, people trying to build wealth are go-getters. Those groups get shit done. Pardon my French. Like they do. They they attack, they attack, they attack. But what they do is they join all these different communities, either online or in person, doesn't matter. And they start asking, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing for this, this, and this, right? And these communities kind of act as masterminds. You start collecting information, you start implementing various ideas and processes and things that you're hearing. But what we also see is people talking about what they're doing to reduce their tax burdens. And sometimes I think people get too focused on reducing their tax burdens that they forget the more important piece about wealth building is to actually expand your wealth. (laughs) It's to build income streams, right? So we spend our time and our energy on figuring out how to reduce taxes. We forget about what we should be spending our time and energy on. And as a result, we can get into some weird tax situations and some shoddy investments. 
Like, like I was at the best ever conference uh, last week, or I guess when this releases, maybe two weeks ago. Awesome conference in Salt Lake City, by the way. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I was invited to be a speaker, spoke on top ways in 2023 that you can reduce your taxes for hardworking physicians. Viking Capital invited me. I got to give them a shout out. It was really great. And if you are interested in, in investing in real estate and you are a physician, highly recommend you touch base with the Viking Capital team because those guys are awesome. They did not pay me for this ad. I just think they're great. <laughs> also, disclosure, do your due diligence. Okay. Uh, so, I, so I got invited to speak. I went and spoke. And then after the presentation, I had physicians and non-physicians just throughout the building coming up to me and asking me about various tax-saving strategies. Now, some people are asking me about products. Okay, so what is a product? What does that mean? A product is something that a promoter, there's somebody promoting a product to you to save taxes. And typically the promoter gets a ton of uh, commission as a result of selling you this product. Examples of products are like deferred sales trusts. That would be a product. Monetized installment sales, that's a product. Uh, charitable LLCs are products. Now, these products aren't necessarily bad or wrong, but most of the time, they're not going to work because the taxpayer doesn't do what's necessary form-wise to get the job done. And it costs a ton of money to set all of this up. And these products are based on, I think there's even like a lack of authority for most of the three that I just mentioned, but they're not really based in fact, they're not really based on any formal authority. So you have to be really careful with these products. But when you get the pitch, it's like, man, you could save so much money if you implement one of these products. And so People start talking about them. They start saying, this is the strategy that I'm using. And everybody else starts wanting to use that strategy as well, not realizing that they've been sold a tax product that might not actually work in the grand scheme of things. And if you aren't extremely careful, it's definitely not going to work. I mean, you have to you have to know what you're getting into and understand exactly how it works and what T's to cross, what I's to dot. So what I try to tell people is, look, you can spend your time, money, and energy getting into these tax products, which may or may not work in the future. The IRS may audit these tax products at scale. The DOJ may come after these tax products at scale. And you may find at some later point that what you've gotten into does not work. So you can spend your time, money, and energy focused on that and getting maximum tax savings. Or you can spend your time, money, and energy focused on expanding your income streams and building your wealth. And if you do that through real estate, you will naturally have a tax haven because real estate is the most tax advantageous asset class out there. I would prefer everybody to not use any of those tax products and roll the money into the next rental property right. <laughs> and just you know cost segregate it. Build this large portfolio of rentals where... You know, over time, half the rentals are producing mega cash flow because you've already stripped out all the depreciation. But now you're acquire on the other side of the portfolio, you're still acquiring properties, you're doing caustic studies, getting bonus depreciation, and you're offsetting all that cash flow. You're playing rich dad, poor dad on steroids. That is the secret to massive wealth. Our top clients, our richest clients, do not play in these tax products. They don't play with them because it's just it's just not worth their time. It's too much hassle. Even if they hired great advisors, even if they hired great attorneys to get it all done, 
they still have to live with the fact that the IRS may come swooping in at some later point. The DOJ may come swooping in at some later point and negate it all. And they just don't want the hassle, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the overarching point of just don't let the tax tail wag the dog. Don't get the FOMO. Like, don't hear of something that you're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. That's FOMO, right? Don't get that. Stay focused on your mission. Stay focused on the wealth building and on the income stream expansion. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I want to help you save taxes, but we also are very aware of, you know, the products that are out there, what works, what doesn't work, what's super high risk, and what's probably not worth your time. I mean, we talk about real estate professional status all the time. I would say for 70% of the people out there, it's not worth your time. Right. <laughs> I know. That's a shocker. Holy crap, Brandon. You guys did like seven podcast episodes on real estate professional status. Don't get me wrong. You can get it. It's amazing. But for 70% of people, it's like you got to just you got to track every single hour, not only your W-2 job, but also on the real estate. You got to track your property manager's time. When you're tracking all that time, you are performing administrative level tasks. Guess what administrative level task goes for? $15 an hour. Does that sound like something that's going to build you massive wealth? Hopefully you've said no to that question. Right. 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 Yeah, it's going to be rough. I mean, look, uh, who, who wants to track their time? We're accountants and we, we don't even track time anymore because we realize how much of a waste of time it is. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we don't track time in our firm. We have gone against the entire industry. Most of the industry tracks time. We do not track time because I realized I don't want my CPAs who could be billing effectively $200 an hour, logging their time into a spreadsheet and that task is an administrative level task. The more administrative level tasks that we can cut out of our day-to-day, -day, the better we're going to be at expanding our income and expanding our wealth. Right. But if you're going to use those strategies, very, very clear, you have to track your time. It's been proven in task court that that's going to be the saving grace for a lot of people. So it's something you have to weigh the risk reward there. Certainly don't want to let the tax tell wave talk. And you know, I've seen people on the flip side, there's the products that Brandon mentioned, but I also seen people make you know strategic level decisions based on tax benefits, which may not always be the best for them, right? For example, investing in short-term rentals. If you want to start a short-term rental business, right? You want to go out and you want to have all these vacation properties, an amazing opportunity. Cash flows in general better than you would on, say, a 12-month lease. However, if you're going to go use that, you want to make sure that that decision makes sense for you from an investment perspective, first and foremost. You wouldn't want to go invest in short-term rentals simply because the tax benefits are there and you can use the short-term rental strategy, loophole exception, whatever people want to call it, to save a massive amount of taxes. Like it, Again, if you want to go and build a short-term rental business, that's an awesome benefit of that strategy. If you're comparing strategies and you want to go either or, the tax implications of that should certainly be part of your decision-making process, but should not be the deciding factor. You know what I mean? It should not be, you should not overweight that factor when you're making decisions. It should be part hey, of your decision-making process. Tom, that is such a good point, man. I have mentioned this before in some of my talks. You know, I, I have a short-term rental at the beach, North Carolina, Surf City. It's an awesome rental if you want to check it out. But what I have realized with that is the cash on cash return is amazing. The overall return is amazing. The work that I have to do is not a lot. I self-manage it. So I call in cleaners and linens and uh, repair contractors as needed. And I use technology to help me organize all of that. But it's still a hospitality business. That's the difference. Okay. So if you get into short-term rentals because you're like, oh man, long-term rentals, I have to qualify as a real estate professional, but I work a full-time job. So I'm not going to buy long-term rentals. I'll buy short-term rentals because that's the loophole. I can materially participate, self-manage, all that stuff. 
and I can use the bonus appreciation to offset my W-2 job. If that's the number one goal, you are letting the tax tail wag the dog, right? You are, because you're going to get into the short-term rental business. You're going to realize, crap, I actually have to be good at hospitality. And let's face it, there are a lot of people that are not good at hospitality. (laughs) There are a lot of people that are not good at customer service. What are you going to do when the phone rings at 1030 at night on a Sunday from your tenant in short-term rental? Now you got to pick it up. Do you want that life? That's what I've realized about it too. I was actually talking to my parents because my parents want to buy a short-term rental out at the beach and you know they're seeing my returns and they're like, oh my gosh, I want this too. But I was like, hey, I've thought about buying five or 10 more. But the reality is, is that the time that I have to service it while not a lot, it's just at weird hours. If I could bunch all the time working on my short-term rental into like Friday morning, I would buy a hundred more of these. But that's not how this hospitality business works. You get calls at all hours of the night and you have to be ready to answer them. Otherwise, you get bad ratings and bad ratings influence your ability to make future money. Right. So be really careful. I mean, that's a great point, Tom. And I I think that not a lot of people really think about that. They literally just go, well, real estate is real estate. It's going to make money. And this is going to give me big tax benefits. But you also have a huge opportunity cost, not only on your time and hassle, but on the future money that you could earn if you get bad reviews when you run that short-term rental business. So you got to be you got to be strategic. I would prefer people buy five long-term rentals and just sit back and relax and grow their wealth and their income streams rather than buy one short-term rental if they stink at hospitality because you're not going to maximize that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And you, to your point too, it's got to fit with your lifestyle. If you don't want to be doing all that, then it's every time someone calls you at two o'clock in the morning because whatever happened, you're going to hate it. And you're going to be like, why did I do this? And you're going to regret your investment decision. It's probably going to weigh on on people mentally. So you got to look at the holistic picture and don't let the tax tail wave the dog. And you know, something else that's also interesting, I was talking to one of my friends not too long ago. So I invested in a limited partner. My friend, we did a deal together back in the day. But he was talking about how his invest he found this investment opportunity that basically throws off like a 75% return. And all it's based on short-term gains, though. Short-term gains are taxed at the ordinary income rates. He's like, Oh, my investors are complaining that it's very tax inefficient. But he's like, okay, if you get a 75% return and then net after taxes is 50%, just for example, isn't that better than a very tax advantaged investment that you're only getting 20% on? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at it, sure, one of them is very tax ineffective, but the returns are much higher. So yeah. kind of another way that I looked at and started thinking about things too is, is when you're looking at an investment decision, again, tax is one factor, one consideration in a multitude of considerations when making that investment. You know, the way I started looking at stuff is look at the net returns after tax, right? Take the tax implications and put it into the equation. And if you have an investment A, all things being equal to investment B and investment B is able to get you a 50% return. For example, I'm just, this, this is the numbers on this particular opportunity, get you a 50% return net after taxes. And this other one, it's very tax efficient, can get you a 20% return, which is the better investment at the end of the day, all things being equal, you know, putting the tax benefits aside. So I, I think it's another example where people let the tax tail wave the dog is even in the individual investment decisions that they make. One way to look at it, if you're making an investment decision, Put it all on a spreadsheet, all the returns, all the factors. Look at your net after-tax return. After the taxes you expect to pay, what is the return after that, after you pay your taxes? And then from there, you go making better decisions rather than just saying, oh, because this, I'm going to have to pay short-term capital gains on this specific investment automatically rules it out because it's tax inefficient. Well, if the returns are better, then it's a better investment. Again, all other things being equal. 
Yeah. And, and I'll say too, one more investment where I feel like people let the tax tail wag the dog is oil and gas syndicates. Yeah. You know, you put $100,000 in and you can write off typically, typically around 70% of your investment on Schedule C. So it's a special carve out that allows you to do this. But if I put $100,000 in, I get a $70,000 tax deduction on Schedule C. And then that's going to save me, if I'm in the highest tax brackets, maybe 714, 21, maybe like twenty-five dollars to $30,000 between federal and state. So let's just call it $30,000 to keep it simple. So $70,000 deduction gets me $30,000 in tax savings. And most of you are probably going, man, that's amazing. I'm going to go look at oil and gas. But guess what? You still have $70,000 sitting in that oil and gas investment, right? Because you invested $100,000. Your deduction got you thirty dollars in savings. So your net value, your net principal sitting in that oil and gas investment is still $70,000. So that means that investment has to actually perform. And if you know anything about oil and gas, it's highly risky. So just make sure that you're working with a group that has a lot of success and you know all that stuff. But just know that these investments have to actually work for you to make money in the long run. It's great to save $30,000 today. But if I end up losing my remaining $70,000 because we don't strike oil, then it was a waste of money. Or worse, somebody you have unlimited liability in oil and gas investments during that first year, you're a general partner. Or worse, someone falls off the oil rig, breaks their legs, sues the investment partnership, and now you have unlimited liability. They have to do a capital call, right? Mm. And now all of a sudden, you're putting more money. You're, you're putting good money in after bet. And I don't know if that could actually happen and, and, or not, but I know that there's liability and that's that's risk. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. You're, you're totally right. And I just want to be clear too. We're not saying oil and gas is a bad investment, right? We're not giving you investment advice. What we are saying is when you hear about these cool things that you can do to reduce your taxes, you got to press pause and you got to ask, what's the actual risk, right? In an oil and gas investment, I'm actually risking my net $70,000. So I have to make sure that that investment performs. So that now I'm going to underwrite this oil and gas investment as I would any other investment because I need to make sure that this is actually going to make money. With these tax products, the risk is that the IRS, or the DOJ comes back and disallows it all. So I've got this, this mental anxiety that I'm going to have to live with potentially for a long time until we know for sure whether or not these products work. And that's not just the three products I mentioned. There's tons of products out there. Right. There's tons of people trying to get you to part with your money so that they can sell you some tax reduction strategy. If you go in to anything looking to reduce taxes, you will find a ton of ways to reduce taxes. A lot of them will be shady. So what I like to tell people is go in to every, every opportunity thinking about how is this going to expand my income streams or build my wealth? And how can I layer in tax saving strategies on top of that? Not how do I reduce taxes? When you get into this mindset of I need to reduce my taxes, guess what? You're going to have confirmation bias on everything that you see. Oh, well, these people are doing it. So that must be good. So I will do it too. Right. What you need to be asking is how do I expand my income streams? How do I build wealth? And how do I layer tax strategies into it, tax strategies that scale, tax strategies that are not going to take a significant amount of time. Sometimes when we talk to our clients about real estate professional status, they go, it's just not worth my time. And I go, dude, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not even do it. Let's just build 
a passive portfolio of real estate that ultimately nets out against each other. That's a much more effective and and you you have to spend zero time in it. <laughs> You know, so. right. And, and if you're wondering if we practice what we preach here, right? I happen to think that the Burr strategy is the ultimate wealth building and tax strategy. If you look at it, oh, and we sure. have an article in the Insiders newsletter. If you do want to get the Insiders newsletter, you can go to www.taxmartinvestors.com/slash free gift, and we'll actually send you a physical copy of the first edition newsletter where I break down exactly why Burr is an awesome tax and wealth building strategy. Why I think it's the ultimate one, but I don't. I don't use it. You want to know why I don't use it? Because it's not in line with my lifestyle at this point in time. So for me to go and use that strategy just because it's the ultimate tax strategy, perhaps, would be out of alignment with where I'm at in my life at this point in time. I'm not saying I'll never use it, but I'm not using it today. And I'm not letting the tax sell wave the dog. I'm investing as a limited partner. And that that is its own tax efficiencies, but it's not nearly as tax efficient as the Burr strategy, especially when you you slap on the 1031 ability to it. So I practice what I preach right there. And also, I'll, I'll say one more thing. When uh, I, I had an LP investment that liquidated, oh no, no, it was just the apartment syndication we did. It liquidated, and I had the opportunity to reinvest money to reduce the capital gain. In other words, take passive losses against the gain from the sale of that investment. But I couldn't find a suitable investment that I was comfortable with at the time, so I decided not to. It was during COVID, a lot of uncertainty, so I decided not to make the investment. And I had to pay a few thousand dollars in taxes. I forgot the exact amount. But you know, I could have lost my entire principal if I made a wrong investment just to save a few thousand dollars in taxes. So, you so know. you were you were time bound because you had to make another investment to get more loss to offset the gain, but you decided yeah. not to because you couldn't find something that you felt would actually expand your income streams or expand your wealth. Right, right. I couldn't find an investment that I was comfortable with the risk. So in that particular situation, so I could have made an investment that that I just wasn't comfortable with. That I thought maybe I could lose money on. I'd rather pay the money in taxes and lose potentially lose my principal, right? So say you make an investment, just say 50 grand, for example, right? Well, if I had to pay seven grand in taxes, and I'm just spitballing numbers here, but if I had to pay seven grand in taxes, but I put 50K up to get the losses to cover that $7,000, I go ahead and make that investment, and that investment takes a loss, and I only get $40,000 back, right? And that's, you know, it could be even worse than that. I could lose all my money, but let's just say I only got $40,000 back. Well, now I just lost $3,000 trying to save money in tax. So, you know, it's not always, it's not always about reducing taxes at all costs. Yeah. And this isn't to say that you should understand tax strategies and that you should be aware of what's out there. Like we, we want you to, we spend an inordinate amount of time producing free content and free education. We also have paid courses, which if you like the podcast, I would love for you to check out our paid courses because it's much more structured to it. And I'll walk you through it. You'll know how to have more sophisticated conversations with your tax preparer, tax advisor, even financial advisor after you take these courses. But you know, we, we spend an inordinate amount of time producing free content because we want to help people understand taxes, be more sophisticated. But we don't want you to let the tax tail wag the dog. We want you to make financial decisions that increase your income, increase your wealth, while layering on tax strategies that scale with you, that don't take significant time away from you and your family. And those exist. They exist. They're not sexy. You know, you're not going to hear us say, oh, let's go do donor advised funds and like all this crazy stuff. Let's set up 15 trusts and offshore companies and all that. Sure, you could go do all that. But then guess what? You got to manage it. You got to live in fear that you've done something wrong. You have to pay your attorneys and your accountants thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars more than if you weren't doing that stuff. And you're probably going to make a mistake at some point that blows up your entire entity structure. So it's just like, 
just just simplify, just simplify, simplify. There are simplified strategies that do scale with you over time and can save you a substantial amount of tax that don't require all the hassle. One more example, just to kind of bring it all home for you, and then I'll kick it over to Tom to close this out. We've all heard of the financial gurus, right? That will say, hey, that $4 latte that you bought at Starbucks, if you invested the $4 over the span of 30 years at a rate of return of 8%, whatever it is, you would actually have $20,000. So stop buying lattes at Starbucks. Get tight on your budget. Make sure that you invest every dollar that you can into the stock market so you can optimize your wealth. How stupid is that? <laughs> most people hear that and they're like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Because most people enjoy the $4. It's not all about the money. I enjoy coffee. It makes me happy. And people in my circle all agree. So instead, we ask, how can I earn a little bit more money to pay for the $4 Starbucks and it not make a difference on my future financial well-being? That is what most people do. But then we get to taxes and most people flip and they go, I got to save money on taxes. But you're doing the exact same thing that the financial gurus are wanting you to do with that $4 cup of latte. You are trying to reduce the tax savings as much as possible, which, by the way, has a decreasing marginal return. The more taxes you save, the less it's worth it to you. What do right. I mean by that? Well, if you're in the 37% tax bracket and you knock yourself out of the 37% tax bracket, now you get to 35 well, guess what? Now every additional dollar you save saves you 35 cents versus 37. As you continue going down your tax brackets, you start saving less and less on every marginal dollar. So you have a decreasing marginal utility on saving taxes, and you're so laser focused on that. You put all your time and energy and effort into that versus how do I just expand my income stream to make taxes irrelevant? I promise you, if you figure out how to net a million dollars, $2 million, $5 million, $10 million. Oh, you can't do that, Brandon. That's impossible. Bullshit. We have clients in our firm that do that. They do it very well. If you could figure out how to net one, two, five, ten $10 million, do you really think you're going to care about all these crazy tax saving strategies? No, because you're going to be taking home 700K after tax. And that's going to be life-changing money for you. So I will now get off my high horse. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Uh, yeah. But we we felt that we needed to make a public service announcement. <laughs> yeah. So the bottom line is don't let the tax tail wave dog. Realize it's a consideration in many considerations when you're making investment and strategic decisions, not only for your portfolio, but for your life. And if you want to join in on the conversation, as you know, you could join the insiders group. It is a great group. A lot of conversations going in there right now about topics just like this. So you can check that out by going to www.taxsmartinvestors.com slash free trial. Or if you want to receive an awesome welcome box with a bunch of free gifts, you can go ahead ahead and check that at www.taxsmartinvestors.com slash free gifts. We'll see you there on the inside and we'll catch you on the next episode of Tax Smart REI. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. 
To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.